Welcome to the Wealth Collective Podcast, where the goal is to make finance fun and accessible to everyday Australians, sharing tips and tricks on how people can improve their financial position and have a laugh along the way. The information contained on this podcast is general advice only and hasn't taken into account your personal circumstances. Before acting on any of the content you've heard, you should consult your own financial advisor to consider whether that is appropriate for you. Hello and welcome everyone to the 31st episode of the Wealth Collective podcast. It's Friday the 28th of June. I'm Pete Pennycott. I'm Zach Masters. Oh, happy end of financial year yeah, to, to, every, to everyone out there. Yes, it's, um, it's been a big week so I hope you've got your super contributions in if you've been planning to do that and haven't left it to the last minute or and realised that um, you know end of financial year actually falls on a weekend and all of the super funds won't be working. Ah, won't they? Uh, well, I know, I know all super's open tomorrow, um, especially for it. Yeah, they've, their call centre's open tomorrow. Uh, I'm not too sure about the other ones, but I think most of them will probably pack up shop and head out for drinks this uh, afternoon. There will be a fair bit of shopping done over the weekend for the deductible expenses for small That's business it. owners out there, I know. Charity's getting an influx. Yeah, which is good. I think, um, That's it. yeah, exciting time of the year, fresh start on Monday. Can't wait. So really looking forward to it. But today what we wanted to talk about was unpacking an investment trend that yeah, it's got us a little bit excited and definitely piqued our interest. And um, we've got involved, some of us, on a, in a financial basis and others just are consuming this, which is um, alternative proteins. And, yeah. Um, yeah, what we mean by alternative proteins is proteins other than, you know, the traditional animal protein of, you know, eating the flesh of um, poor defenseless animals. Yeah, and probably more so specifically, and this is that we'll touch on, ones that are trying to mimic or replicate a similar look and taste um, to you know old our old idea of pro- what, what proteins are. So yeah. um, whether that's cow meat, chicken, pork, those types of things. Um, yeah, they're trying to kind of replicate something similar. Yeah, um, and provide people with an alternative to those those older um, fashion proteins. Yeah, and this is sort of in the wake of the big sort of uh, news story here has been the Beyond Meat. IPO that sort of rocketed from a, a starting um, share price of $25 and sort of hovering around sort of the 160, 165 sort of the zone now. So yeah, and how long was it? How much of a time frame has that been in? A uh, couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Not even. So, yeah. Um, yeah, in hindsight, I would have loved to put my whole portfolio <laughs> in there, but unfortunately, um, my aversion to that, to that type of risk actually saw me sit that one out. So, um, did you actually, did you get involved with this one? Yeah, I'm involved, so I've got in... Um, full disclosure. Yeah. yeah, full disclosure, I am a holder of it. So um, you're going to be talking your book today about <laughs> how, how great Beyond Meat is. That's it, so uh, it'll just be positive positive things coming through from my end. Um, yeah, so I got in, I didn't get in at IPO, unfortunately, um, but I got in a bit after that and I've enjoyed some of the, the growth ride um, yeah. so far. Um, and I believe in the, and we'll talk about the why, um, yeah, it could potentially be a trend. So, well, so probably we'll break it up into three sections. Yeah, go, yeah. What is it? What the hell is alternative proteins? Um, I didn't. I know I didn't. Wasn't too sort of across this until the last sort of couple of months. So, uh, and then I guess why? Why are people? Why is there a shift? Why is there a market? Is there an investable opportunity here? Yeah. Uh, and then talk about some of the actual investment options out there and some of the competitors to Zach's. Um, Will love child in Beyond Meat, so yep. we'll see if there's any anything else we can uncover there, or if we can bring Zach's investment thesis. That's um, it. <laughs> um, so, do you want to kick us off, Pete, with what it actually is? We've touched on a little bit on it, but um, yeah, what actually is the alternative 
plant-based um, proteins? Well, the traditional proteins obviously are animal meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so the alternatives are things like, well, this particular one is a pea-based protein, but it can be things like soy, tofu. Um, but it's trying to sort of go, what are the alternatives to actually consuming um, the traditional protein? But in doing it in a form that actually makes the traditional meat eater and carnivore amongst us who actually enjoys their burger or their chicken nuggets, yeah. and those sort of things, actually simulates that sort of um, the makeup of how that experience, how it's yeah. structured, how it feels, how it cooks, how it looks on a plate. And you have actually cooked cooked them yourself. Yeah, you I've uh, I fired it up. So um, actually cooked that at home and much like the traditional burgers, I managed to set off the smoke alarms and yeah. dogs barking <laughs> in the background. Um, mayhem. <laughs> young, young Remy was screaming the house down because our smoke detectors are ridiculously loud, which is fantastic if I ever get caught in a fire <laughs> and I'm asleep. But my gosh, there was a hell of a lot of smoke. And then when we cut through the burger, you know, pink on the inside. Um, so, yeah, and there's listening to the CEO talk about that, that's done with, um, yeah, there's a bit of beetroot as part of that sort of mix that to give it that sort of um, nice pinky flavour. Because it is something that's very important to them. Pinky look. Yeah, it is something that's very important to them, isn't it, that it's trying to look as much like a normal yeah. meat burger as possible. Yeah, so there's that one. And then obviously the other one is the Impossible Whopper. is uh, not available in Australia, but throughout the, the States and I think parts of Europe as well that yeah. uh, it's there. So um, the reason why... We're seeing this mainly in the burger form. It seems to be that it's actually the most forgiving um, type of meat. So yeah. when you're thinking of a McDonald's burger or a Hungry Jack's burger or grilled or any of those, yeah, the, the taste of the meat is probably not the, the cornerstone of the burger. It's everything around it, but yeah. you need it to hold together and uh, maintain that structure. So I think that's sort of why a lot of the, the effort and energy has gone into to that. Um, and it's a big market, so I think there's sort of Barclays have estimated it's $14 billion market now, but in the next 10 years that could sort of balloon out to $140 million. Oh, billion. A billion, sorry, yep. yeah. Not going backwards. <laughs> Shanking market, no, not a very good investment. Please not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's uh, like I've tried it as well, and I think um, we'll touch, we'll go into probably more of the why. Um, we think it could potentially be, you know, a big area in the future. And as Barclays have said, it could, you know, have a 1,000% growth over the next um, 10 years, they foresee. It's obviously because everyone's becoming more and more educated on the yeah. process of how your food is created or how it ends yeah. up back well, to the, you. The farm-to-plate um, conversation is a big one. So let, well, I guess let's talk about why. So what are, what are the, some of the catalysts of it? Why are we seeing this sort of growth? Well, I think we're seeing um, through the rise of, you know, social media, we're seeing, we're, you and I were talking about it earlier today, Netflix documentaries about, yeah. um, you know, the animal cruelty associated with producing food and um, different things like that. Well, the one that hit me was that one about the chicken farms, where they, how close they pack those chickens together. Yeah, on top of each other. Yeah, they can't use their legs. And, yeah, it does hit home and you sort of start to be a little bit more thoughtful about, okay, yeah, I do enjoy the taste of this and I do love a, a chicken burger. Um, yeah. But, you know, is it, is it farmed in the right way? And we've seen a sort of a, even a move in terms of eggs away from, you know, cage eggs and there was a sort of a fair campaign towards um, free range as well. So I think that's sort of that trend is alive and well. And I think that's the, the thing is that a lot of people, uh, yeah, on social media they're seeing people send out posts. I know my Instagram feed's full of people posting about animal cruelty and different things like that. So it's more in your face probably than ever before. Um You've got all the documentaries out at the moment. The news has got, yeah. um, you know, people protesting at 
animal farms and different yeah. things like that constantly. Um, so it's more in your face than it ever has been. So people are going, oh, you know what, I'm not necessarily going to give up eating meat, but if I can cut my intake down a little bit, um, then I'd be willing to do that as long as it's not that far different, which is what we've seen kind of a couple of years ago, whereas the attempts at the um, a veggie burger veggie burger, and things like that have not been really that close. So I think now they're starting to get closer and closer and kind of, um, yeah, getting getting closer to that, that burger taste yeah. and look and feel. Yeah, and the other big driver is climate change is sort of high on the, the radar, the agenda, and you know, when you're thinking about traditional farming techniques, um, yeah, they're consuming so much water. So they're sort of, you know, when you think about all the farmland, while, you know, it only, like, traditional protein only produces about 30% of the world's protein, mm. it sort of consumes about 83% of the farmland because, you know, to have, to have a cow or a raise a sort of a, a lamb or sort of farm pigs, they take up so much space, so much yeah. water. And the other thing is what comes out when they're chewing the... Um, grass and what's coming out their rear end there's a hell of a lot of methane by all yep. so um, don't mind a, a no naked flames out, <laughs> out in farmland so you might sort of blow yourself up um so yeah i think that's that's another contributing factor as well especially that because you're seeing the growth of meat consumption especially you know in like asia um and europe is that the meat consumption is becoming bigger and bigger and the the growth year on year on that is huge um, and it's just not sustainable that that can keep happening um the, it's just not simply not enough yeah. space as, on yeah, Earth. To... As the world gets richer, so as these developing economies, and yeah, that's a trend we like to play into. Going, what are these developing economies going to consume more of? So mm. things like you know, Asia, there's more people sort of you know, with mobile phones. There's more people accessing the internet. You know, luxury brands and you know meat. I think the future for meat looks like it's ultimately going to. It might be a luxury as well because. We don't have enough land to, like, the population's growing. There's only so much land. Yeah. So unless um, Elon Musk gets us to Mars and we can start farming on Mars, then we might sort of run out a bit of space and the cost is going to blow out as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of the stuff and reading that we've been doing on that is kind of the change between, um, whereas in the past, being a vegan and, or vegetarian or something was seen as, you know, rare and a negative thing and now it's kind of turned around and flipped Probably because a lot of them are so vocal. Yeah, um, so exactly. If, so if you've ever met someone who's a vegan, yeah, you know, they let you know, they let you know about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thinking of a cousin of ours in particular. <laughs> um, is like oh, that. Pretty, pretty <laughs> Shout out to Ben. Yeah. Um, so that's the type of thing where I think you're going to see a big growth is that these people not necessarily hate the taste of meat um, or things like that, but they don't want to eat it for ethical reasonings yeah. and I think that's going to be a huge area into the future whereas if there's going to be a substitute comes forward that goes hey I look like a burger I taste like a burger or I look like chicken I taste like chicken you can't really tell the difference yeah. and people are going to go for the more ethical option um, and when with things like this in the past it's, price hasn't necessarily been too much of a factor if people feel like they're doing a better thing as you said, with the caged eggs versus free range and, and th things like that. Yeah, well, that's one of the things. That's where I think that this might come unstuck because I think there's a very, very expensive burger patties. Like those two burger patties cost me 15 bucks. At but do you feel that'll, that'll come down as that starts to come down? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not shelling out 15 bucks for two burgers and then have to cook them myself. Yeah. Um, fair enough, a fully cooked burger or something. But I think, um, yeah, as their production, their scale builds up, 
Um, that's all going to help because that's part of the problem of going, is this achievable for everyone to sort of to participate in as a trend? And at the moment, it's not. Um, mm. And that's the thing as we'll talk about later on as the competitors is that as more competitors come in, prices will be driven down by competition yeah. and things like that. Um, therefore, you know, some individual companies might be left yeah. uh, more high and dry by that. Um, I know a few people have been caught out like thinking they're participating in the health trend as well. These burgers are far from healthy. So yeah. they're full of <laughs> packed with sodium and um, quite heavy on fat as well. So um, it's, a, it's not a veggie burger in that, no. in that way. So, I think, it's, it's so that's important. So it's really like you're making yeah. a conscious choice for other reasons, mm. which I think it's doing a really good thing. And I think if anyone wants to check out the Beyond Meat website, they've got a lot of um, studies on there that clearly explain sort of the impact of actually the traditional farming methods with um, proteins as well. Obviously, very biased towards their product. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, have a have a read and sort of get yourself educated. So, um, so let's talk. Investable options, investment thesis, competition. So, so I probably get you to because you've sort of jumped in um, with both feet here with um, quite a sizable investment by all accounts. <laughs> um, so, talk to me about the Beyond Meat, the ball case for Beyond Meat. Um, so, Beyond Meat, as the name suggests, it's it's aims to create the future of protein by developing plant based burgers, sausages, and other alternatives. Um, they're probably the most advanced in terms of their product range at the moment. Not if you ask the competitors. <laughs> um, so they're, and they're also, uh, especially here domestically in Australia, they're the first kind of one that we've seen out here um, that's really the closest closest thing to a burger. And we're only seeing, you know, we've only got the burgers in the Coles stores at the moment. Um, and obviously we're only a very small piece of the, the pie, um, but it's kind of showing that they are at the moment ahead and they're continuously coming up with the new and different alternative things. Like I know they've got a chicken strip type range that they do in stir fries and different things like that um, that they're doing. Um, obviously, we've seen it's got a very high valuation at the moment due to its rise after the IPO, which we've spoken about um, this year, and it's got a lot of hype around it, and that's why it's a tightly held share registry. That's helped the company attract valuations and, um, you know, kind of make Tesla at its peak look a bit conservative. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is real hot. So in terms of you just got to go in conscious of that. Yeah. Um, I guess my bear case for Beyond Meat, if, if you will humor me on this, yeah. side, is in terms of can they, produ can they produce enough to actually generate enough revenue to actually um, satisfy their market cap? That's a hard thing. Like peas, like peas are not sort of an infinite resource either. So they're sort of running. Yeah, that out. still requires land, and well, they can't even get enough peas to produce and sort of meet that demand. So yeah. Um, and then the trick is like on their registry, like Tyson Foods, who we'll talk about later. Mm. Yeah, they've left the registry before they sort of went to the IPO, and Tyson's a much bigger company than what Beyond Meat is. So they had the option to acquire Beyond Meat or sort of take it over or take a substantial shareholding, opted out of it. I think they've sort of obviously walked away with a bit of IP, I think, and sort of gone and do it, gone and doing it themselves. So, yeah. Um, and a lot of these bigger businesses, you know, is it is the brand more important or is the distribution more important or a combination of both? And I think that's uh, yeah one of the issues with Beyond Meat is that because of the meteoric rise of the share price so recently, that's been the most in your face in terms of the media coverage of all these. These ones at the moment, this one's... Yeah. Well, here most. it has. I think because in the States, I think the Impossible Burger is what got everyone, and that's what got me sort of interested so, in, the, the, in the theme. Yeah. Um, that one sort of, we don't have it here, unfortunately, but um, yeah, the Impossible Burger, very well named. Whoever's 
did the naming rights for that. Yeah, so do you want to maybe go into Impossible Foods and the case for them? Uh, these are also cell-based burgers, so um, they're sort of famous for the, the Impossible Whopper, which I can't get over how great that name is. So, um, But yeah, the problem is with that, it's a it's, there's just not enough supply that you can't can't get enough of it. Um, Restaurant Brands is the the company that sort of offers that out to sort of Burger King locations in the in the states. So I think it's about you know, about a hundred Burger King locations. At the yeah, moment. I haven't been to all of them, but I'll, <laughs> I'll make sure I get a, get away there. So, um, but in terms of this business, a little bit more established, um, can't get access to it by investing on the stock exchange either. So. Um, directly in terms of the production. So not an investable one, but sort of, you know, you need to watch it closely about, I guess, is that something that another business sort of looks as an acquisition and bolts it onto their existing distribution network? So um, that's a big one. I think the one that I'm sort of watching closely is Tyson Foods. Yep. Um, yeah. I think this is one that I'm interested in as well. Yeah. Um, oh, now, of course you are. So you have I'll the competitor. Jump, jump on the trend. Oh. Jump on the trend, not necessarily okay. um, just one. Uh, very good. Yeah, so they're they're massive. So Tyson's a, a behemoth in terms of um, food. They've got all the distribution. You know, they're pumping out you know product to you know, retailers, wholesalers all over um, the globe. So in terms of the opportunity here is if they can produce something that's remarkably similar, um, and they've got a raisin rooted um, brand, and um, yeah, this is a little bit different because it's actually got a blend of. They're saying. Well, we're going to focus on the footprint, footprint path and have it's actually got a bit of meat in it and yeah. sort of blend some, um, yeah, the, the pea-based protein and a few other things in amongst it as well to go, all right, it's it's a better alternative for the globe if you go down that path, but also the meat eaters. So if it is the, uh, not the vegetarians, but the flexitarians, yeah. which is the new buzz term, um, and I, I feel like I'm in the flexitarian category. I, I try and have, you know, one or two meals a week. That's all I can stomach of uh, non <laughs> non meat based. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a really exciting one as well. So it's not going to suit your vegan or sort of vegetarian, but that's not who they're trying to cater towards. Yeah, and that's the kind of um, issue I see with them is that those um, hard and fast animal lovers, you know, for ethical reasons, choosing yeah, um, not, to go away, is that they won't go near the biggest part of the market. Foods. That's why I'm, yep. I'm happy with Tyson mass market. Yeah. I like it. Um, and the good thing about that is Tyson's very clever. Pea-based protein is actually cheaper than meat protein, but they're selling these burgers for more than their meat burgers. Yeah. It's genius. So less margins, cost, less <laughs> cost, fatter margins. I, I'm, I'm really liking this concept. So, um, so yeah, a little bit, little bit different. Um, but, yeah, that one, I think they've got sort of sausages, chicken, or nuggets are probably their, I think their big sort of seller at the moment that are flying off the shelves. And that's so got burgers eggs. as well. And that's got eggs in it as well, the nuggets. I like eggs as protests. well. I'm a big fan yep. of eggs, meat, all these things. So all vegans ruled out. <laughs> that's okay. That's a minority. So, yep. and if and the, there's a market there for vegans, but I think for my end, looking at investment trend, I want to I want to appeal to the mass mass market because yep. it's, it's bigger. There's more consumption there. Um, but yeah, I, I can see the, um, why there is those niche products as well. And then the last one that we'll talk about today is probably one that people are familiar with, which is Nestle. Um, so, do you want to run us through Nestle a little bit? Uh, so makers of Nesquik, which I sort of enjoyed smashing <laughs> as a kid. Uh, so they're a Swiss multinational sort of uh, conglomerate, um, largest food company in the world. So if anyone's going to win the distribution arms race and get it out to stores and be able to deliver that at sort of you know 
scale and really low cost. It's it's someone like Nestle, so um, yeah, they've they're launching in Europe, and I think they've already launched now. So yeah, they have. Um, that's the, um, as I said before, like Europe and Asia. That's a big um, meat eating, meat consuming part of the world at the moment. Yeah, and they, and they've got the sort of the, the cash flow to sort of pay for these things as well. So mm. they've got the Garden Gourmet incredible burger. So again, I don't know why I didn't. Rem- like think to trademark all these incredible impossible I mean, actually wait a second i'm gonna go do the awesome burger so, uh, the super burger um because yeah they have sort of trademarks and ridiculously good names so um yeah these they're trying to sort of every they're trying to deliver something that doesn't compromise on flavor taste so similar to the other ones and that's that's what concerns me about i guess jumping in too early because um while I'm bullish on the category at large, I'm a little bit bearish on the individual plays, and I yeah, I just can't sort of get the um, the numbers to stack up. But uh, again, I, a lot of people got Amazon wrong years ago, so and now that's thousands of percent higher. So um, these things can keep going, but there's a hell of a lot of competition out there. So um, any other sort of remarks for you for Nestle, Zach? No, I think um, more so with Nestle is they're really focused on the quality of it um so they were saying um the head of the nestle's food business said that the new burgers don't compromise on flavor texture and cooking experience and they underline nestle's increased focus on tasty authentic plant-based food um so potentially they're going for um that closest closest um option and as you said before they've got the funds there to keep experimenting and trying yeah different things as they can kind of, they've got the cash flow there to sustain that for a while. Yeah, and obviously this isn't personal advice, but the things I'd sort of suggest is just part of your due diligence before making any investments, well, to anything, but also these um, this particular trend in particular is, you know, understand things like what are the people, what's the cost of R&D? So to keep sort of, it's an arms race to have who's got the best, you know, substitute for meat or who's got the best product. Um mm. And that's really what it's all about. And that costs money. So you need to keep investing and investing and investing. So um, you've got to be really comfortable that you've backed the right business or maybe sort of wise to sort of have a parcel and sort of get the best of both worlds and sort of hold a few of these. Um, But yeah, and then distribution as well. So, you know, can they actually produce this? And what you want to be doing is looking at the sort of profit and loss statement, look at the forward-looking statements and say, hang on, is this actually realistic? So... Once the growth sort of matures in ten years' time, is this actually feasible that it could stack up to be worth a business worth this much? Mm. Um, and that's really everything comes down to valuation. So, um, you know, in the short term, you know, the stock market is a voting machine, isn't it? Long term, it's a weighing machine. So I think valuations will stack up long term. Yeah. Um, so you really want to see if you if you're paying a premium for forward earnings, you want to see hyper growth. So, um, and Beyond Meat is definitely delivering that, and they had a really awesome um, first report. So. Yeah, very impressive businesses. Really like it. We'll um, we'll keep you posted, and I'll keep eating as many burgers as I can <laughs> to do just for quality control and um, investment <laughs> purposes. So, um, if the ATO is listening, all those burger expenses are absolutely legit. Um, yeah, no, can't. especially around tax time. So. No, I'm not going to buy. I have a burger <laughs> now, actually. So just get in before June 30. Get on grilled. They got the um, Beyond Meat one in there. <laughs> yeah, shameless plug. That's it. Um, so we might wrap it up there. If you've got any questions or there's an investment trend that you'd like us to uh, have a look at and sort of discuss in depth on the podcast, feel free to send us an email, uh, connect at picada.com.au. Otherwise, hit us up on any of the socials and we're generally on there and pretty quick to respond. So thanks for tuning in and we'll, uh, we'll catch you all next week. Cheers. Thanks for tuning into the Wealth Collective podcast. 
you can get in touch with us and send any questions to connect at picada.com.au or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. If you have enjoyed this, then please subscribe and five-star us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Until next time, live well and be prosperous.